Greetings and welcome, everyone. Thank you to each and every listener joining me today for my podcast on What Brings You In. My name is Bradley Wank, and I am an aspiring mental health counselor here to promote mental health awareness, discuss mental health topics, and spread some positive energy. I am beyond excited to be here today. Creating a podcast is quite the journey. It's one of those tasks where you don't quite realize the amount of work and planning that goes into it until you do it. This podcast has been a collaboration of so many talents. I am recording today at the Collab Studios in Clearwater, Florida, and I wanted to take a moment to thank everyone in the studios for their direction and hard work. It is very much appreciated. Today, we will be looking at a general overview of what mental health is, why I am here, and later I will be talking with my friend Andrea, who is a local entrepreneur, to discuss mental health in the workplace and how it can aid in maintaining professionalism. This episode is titled, Making the Workplace Work for You. As always, before we get started, the views, information, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests can change at any time. At times, this podcast may cover sensitive topics, and we ask you refrain from listening if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. Neither the company, the producer, the host, nor the guests shall at any time be liable for the content covered causing offense, distress, or any other reaction. I am not a licensed mental health counselor, and this podcast should not be used to substitute for actual mental health support. All right, so let's get into it. I I created this podcast because I am very passionate and I'm dedicated to the mental health field. And as we will discuss, this is unfortunately a field that's plagued with stigma. And really, the only way we can combat this is to talk about it. The more we open ourselves up to embracing mental health and being honest with each other, the more we recognize how mental health services can work in our favor. And ultimately, it helps inspire a healthier and happier life. I decided to call this podcast on what brings you in because each episode is geared towards something in our day-to-day lives that could transpire mental health services. This is not to say these situations or factors would automatically require a mental health professional, but rather we're going to be discussing awareness and how seeking help and working with a counselor could help with coping or transitioning, keeping organized, conditioning yourself into a routine of self-care. The list will go on and on, and I hope to get to as many of these situations as we can. For each episode, I will also be talking with individuals who are willing to share their stories of mental health and how it has shaped their growth and the impact it has had on their journey. This process has been so humbling, and I have been very fortunate to have so many rich discussions with an array of interesting and brave people who come on the show, and I want to also take a moment and thank everyone for their grace and for their perspective. Because this is the first episode, I wanted to give you a little bit of my background and my mental health journey and basically why I'm here. So my name is Bradley Wank, and currently I live in Dunedin, Florida, which is a suburb outside of Clearwater Beach. I am an Ohio native who moved to the Bay Area to attend the University of Tampa after completing high school. At UT, I studied business and marketing only to find out later that I really didn't care too much for marketing. I have worked in restaurants since the age of 15, so I was naturally kind of drawn to the idea of one day owning 
owning and operating a restaurant of my own. Um, I began opening locations for a corporate restaurant and eventually moved to a smaller mom and pop because I figured it would give me a different perspective of how to operate on a smaller scale, which is what I was planning on doing. Um, in 2019, I was given an opportunity to help open a restaurant in Dunedin called the Parlor House Bistro. The process of opening Parlor House was incredibly rewarding, but it was not too long after the doors opened, I had another sort of epiphany in my life where I realized I never wanted to be a sole owner of a restaurant. It is an incredibly hard business to start and to maintain, and just 100 days into our operation with Parlor House, we actually had to shut down because of COVID. So when all of this was kind of happening, I remember feeling like something had been swept out from under my feet. I had no control over a lot of the things that were going on. And of course, there were many of us who felt like we were in the same boat. And I remember it being so ironic because the spring of 2020 in Florida was absolutely beautiful. It was that kind of weather where it just makes you happy because it was consistently one perfect day after another. But I was so sad and worried and just kind of overall freaked out. Um, and I couldn't even enjoy those little blessings that were around me. Um, during this time, I was also in a bit of a rocky relationship with my partner of six years, and it was just one of those situations where we both knew it was kind of coming to an end, but we were complacent and we were comfortable. And as with these situations typically ensue, our frustrations only kind of cause more stress and more arguing. So with all of this that was going on, I also had my sister that was living with me at the time um, as she was transitioning houses. And so between the four dogs and the three people and the small living quarters and COVID, it just really, I got to a point where I, I remember a specific day, I should say. And at, at that time, I, I got a very large Yeti thermos out of my cupboard. I filled it to the brim with tequila and I just walked out the door. I just went on a six hour walk. And truly, I don't remember where I walked to or really what I was doing. And I'm telling you, it wasn't from the tequila. It was just because I was that zoned out. And during the walk, I eventually made it to a park bench somewhere. And I remember calling my friend and just losing it. And it just was like a very big crashing moment. The only thing I was really kind of setting myself up for in my life and my career was owning a restaurant. And suddenly with this experience, I just knew it wasn't what was right for me. And it was really hard to sit and to think with that and, and, you know, and to not judge myself for it because I am a bit of a perfectionist and I, I kind of judged myself heavily for knowing I had the capabilities to do something else and something where I could help people and help make a difference in their lives. But I've kind of felt like I was wasting these talents and a little bit of my intelligence by clocking in for a shift each day. And this is not to take away at all from hospitality employees because it's one of the most demanding and stressful jobs you will ever have. And frankly, I still think everyone should wait tables at some point in their life because it's going to teach you how to deal with all types of personalities. But when I was going through this, I was also feeling very financially, um, not very financially secure, I should say, um, especially with my job having just been kind of taken away from me. And, you know, despite the savings I had, I was just worried that I was going to have to deplete those. And there was just this big, big moment. And that's when I knew I was like, you know what, I think it's time to go talk to somebody. And even just to kind of go and have that moment where you can organize your life. And that's a big point in mental health that we talk about. It's not always about suffering from a mental health disorder. It's not always about having um, an underlining cause that's really 
super distressful. It's really sometimes just about finding a way to organize yourself and get your kind of get your your ducks in a row. And going to therapy was absolutely one of the best things I ever did. It completely changed my life. And I cannot imagine where I would be if I had not made that call. And I will say I was very nervous for my first appointment, like every client is. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. When I was at the University of Tampa, I went to therapy one time uh, because I was feeling ready to come out of the closet. And I wanted to talk to somebody about how I was going to kind of transition this and announce this to my family. And long story short, it just wasn't the best counseling experience. Um, We'll get to that in a later episode. But it really turned me off from therapy altogether. But I'm still glad I went through with it. And I have to say the second time around, my counselor was absolutely fantastic. And people may not realize how powerful it can be to just sit and talk. And a lot of times people will say, oh, well, you know, I don't need a therapist. I can just grab lunch with a friend or I can vent to my sister and so on. And the importance of therapy is that, you know, when you're talking to someone like that who doesn't know you, it gives you that insight. And not only does it give you that opportunity to present yourself in a different way, because when you're talking to somebody who doesn't know you, you're telling them all of the parts about yourself that you want to be understood or represented. But a lot of times what we find is that we start to turn ourselves into that person the deeper that we get into therapy. So I think if I can come up with an example for this to kind of explain it better, um, think of, you know, you have a session, a, a counseling session that's booked for the afternoon and you're kind of getting around for the day. You just throw a shirt on. Um, you're in a hurry. You get to the appointment and just let's go even deeper. Say that you're somebody who maybe doesn't always like the way that they look or the way that they feel um, as far as their body is concerned. And so you're just kind of going into counseling because you're trying to get there. And when you walk in, the counselor says, oh, wow, I really like the way that shirt looks on you. And this isn't a caddy friend who is just, you know, trying to be a Regina George about it and say something they don't really mean. This isn't your mom who's just going to tell you that this shirt looks good because that's what moms do. But really, it's somebody who doesn't know you, who genuinely thinks that shirt looks good on you. And as little of a significance as what this might seem, it it really can make one of the biggest differences in the world. And as you're walking out of the office and you see yourself in the mirror, you might actually see that shirt looking good on you. And that's one of the first transitions into counseling. And that really kind of ensued a lot of what I got from counseling when I began my own journey. As I dug deeper and continued my work in therapy, um, I was really interested to know that you could talk about other things in counseling rather than just your feelings or your childhood. And that is something a lot of people will assume. And I actually got to a point when it came to specifically figuring out my career, I knew I was probably going to go back to school at some point. Um, I applied for a few marketing jobs, but marketing moves very fast and I lacked the experience. And I considered going into the medical field as a nurse. So one day I dug through some containers at my home and I found an old biology book and I decided to give myself some readings to cover and some assignments to do from this book because I wanted to see how I would be able to juggle real life with the coursework. And I shared this with my counselor and she asked uh, one day, she said, what do you find interesting about the biology book? And I answered, well, not a whole lot. I can sit through it, but I can't say it totally interests me. And I will never forget the look that came across her face as she stood up, she walked over to the bookshelf and she pulled out the book by Carl Rogers called On Becoming a Person. 
She handed it to me and said, why don't you give this a try? And I went home and I read the entire book in two days. I just couldn't put it down. And by the end of the book, I knew I was going to become a counselor. So during the next session, I said, I know I'm one of those people who takes something and I kind of fly with it, but I really think this is how I'm going to be able to help people. And my counselor said, well, why don't we talk about that? So we fast forward two years later, and I'm happy to announce I was able to go back to school as an online student with Tiffin University, where I graduated with honors and with a much broader respect for the mental health and human services field. So currently, I'm preparing for graduate school, which will begin in the fall of 2023. My goal is to become a licensed mental health counselor with the plan to bring as much insight and positivity to my future clients as my counselor was able to do for me. Um, I'm very passionate within this field, and much of my work and research has centered around personality disorders and neurocognitive functioning. So specifically, I like to share this one. One of my favorite projects during school was a seven-week research study where I assessed and created a treatment plan for Judy Garland and how the, and how psychology today could have influenced or benefited somebody from the past. And it was a really interesting and intriguing project. And even though I haven't decided on a specialty, I am interested in family practice and a newer field within psychology is geriatric psychology. And I always love to talk about this. Um, it's kind of sweeping the field by storm. And what we're seeing is that as younger generations are embracing and accepting mental health, it's actually encouraging the older populations to also consider mental health services. So there was actually a study I read um, once that compared the cognitive functions in the brain of when an elderly individual goes into assisted living as the same for a younger individual who enters those more formative college years when they move into a dorm. So it's really interesting to consider how in both situations, the individual is faced with a new environment, new social circles, financial concerns, an influx of emotions and evolving growth. Yet our mentality kind of as a society is often to disregard those feelings from the elderly individuals, but we kind of glorify and we celebrate those feelings for younger people. And so it's just kind of a fraction of some of the interests where I hope to see my career kind of spanned. So now that you know a little bit more about me, we're going to dive right in and start talking about mental health in general. So there might be some of you who are questioning what mental health is, or even more so why mental health is important. And very simply put, mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. And mental health will affect how we think, how we feel, and how we act. And it also kind of determines the way that we handle stress, how we relate to others, and how we make healthy choices. So our mentality is constantly around us, and it's constantly working. And one of the first things we kind of try to work to describe this um, to explain it in a better form, I would suppose, is a narrative. And so when you're kind of like in the car and you're driving and you're thinking to yourself about your day or what you have to get at the store or something that happened with a person or a situation, you've already begun to kind of start that awareness of your inner voice. And with a narrative, you almost direct or tell the story of ourselves through the lived experience within this voice. And it's important to pay attention to this because the way we talk and think about ourselves is important for our overall mental health. If you are the type of person who is constantly putting yourself down or placing judgment on how you do things, you have to consider how damaging this can be over time. And eventually, you're going to begin to believe the things that you're saying to yourself. So quite frankly, in a world where it can be tough to find peace and keep ourselves happy, if you're already fighting against you, you're making it that much harder. So in general, this would be a good starting point 
for a counselor to consider, whether it's for someone who is experiencing mental distress or suffering, but also for those who have more specific issues who are working to maintain their mental health status. So in a future episode, I'm actually going to be talking with a licensed mental health counselor, and we will dive in a little more into these concepts, um, including what to look for in counseling, how to make your your counselor kind of work with you rather than against you. And um, it's a really interesting episode because we're going to kind of lay it out for people who may never have thought about going to counseling or who have never had the experience to kind of know what to expect. Um, But today we're going to focus on mental health in the workplace and how we can maintain some professionalism. So some people might find it surprising to comprehend mental health in the workplace, but really we spend more time within our work environment, managing the relationships with our coworkers, our peers and clients nearly as much as what some of us are actually in our physical homes. And furthermore, after many companies have switched to working from home as the the new norm, we bring our work literally into our home dwelling. So it is important to be aware of how this can impact our mental health and for us to focus on ways to help kind of decompress in a healthy manner. And not only this, but studies do show that one in four people will experience psychological distress at some point in their lives, and the workplace represents a major cause of stress for nearly 70% of Americans who are in the workforce. So we've got a lot to kind of get to today. Um, First, I want to go ahead and introduce my guest. Uh, I am joined today by Andrea Honan, who is the owner and operator of Sips Wine Bar, located in Safety Harbor, Florida. Andrea is a badass businesswoman who has just celebrated her five-year anniversary of owning Sips Wine Bar. I don't want to get too much into her story, but before... She took on the leap of SIPs. Andrea worked as the director of sales and events for Hyatt Regency Clearwater Beach, and she spanned an impressive 14-year career and portfolio. And anyone who has ever planned events, especially on a corporate level, understands stress in the workplace. So Andrea, thank you so much for being here today. Well, hi, Andrea. Hi, Bradley. Thank, thank you. For, well, thank you for being yeah. here. I'm very happy to have you. And so I know I kind of went into a little bit of your background, but could you tell us more about your career and and kind of where you are today? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is going to age me a little bit. I, my career started in 1998 with a small convention and event planning firm called Mary O'Connor and Company in the suburbs of Chicago. And most of, not most of, I learned so much of my skill set for events and on how to deal with chaos in my nearly seven years with Mary. Um, After seven years with Mary, I, due to a series of circumstances. I was the last employee besides Mary to be laid off. Um, it was after 9-11, all that crazy stuff, and went to work for Hyatt Hotels. Mm-hmm. Hyatt Rosemont, which is a small business hotel uh, near O'Hare Airport, worked in, at Rosemont for two and a half years, transitioned over to the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, 1,200-room, 110,000-square-feet-of-meeting-space hotel Wow! at the airport. Um, and I worked there as the assistant director of catering and convention services until 2000, mid-2009. Mm-hmm. And 
So work there through the whole housing market crash of 07 and 08, which was insane, and then got the opportunity to be promoted as the director of events at the Hyatt Regency Clearwater Beach. So relocated from the suburbs of Chicago, where I grew up, my whole Mm -hmm. family lives Mm -hmm. there, um, and relocated to Clearwater. So opened Clearwater Beach, Hyatt Regency Clearwater Beach as the director of events, and worked there for almost eight years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so my career at High Clearwater Beach was um, first director of events, and we were considered a small hotel, 250 hotel rooms, a small meeting space. And part of Hyatt going public in 09 was really looking at financials and looking at how Franchise hotels are run, and so we started condensing certain departments, and events and sales was one of those departments. Gotcha. So in 2015, I took over the role of sales and marketing as well, So gotcha. and the banquets department. So my team grew from a team of six to about 50. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, we also then went through a transition of ownership and a transition of general managers. So my boss, my immediate boss changed and the company, the organization that we reported to changed and it became a very challenging mm-hmm. environment for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh just to manage the pressure that we were under from the ownership group, dealing with a general manager who'd never been a GM before. He was a first-time GM. Not a great boss. Mm -hmm. But I learned a lot about what not to do from him. Right. And I realized at that point that I was at a transition in my life. I wasn't going to be promoted because there were limited options for me locally, and I wasn't relocatable at this Mm -hmm. point. So... I started thinking about my next chapter. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. What do I want? And through a series of events that happened at the beginning of 2017, led me to a weekend in downtown St. Pete. Mm. And my boyfriend of almost 12 years now Mm -hmm. uh, and I were down there staying for the weekend at the Vinoy and we just started walking one night and we were just wandering the city and sort of bar hopping and we ended up in this place called Triwine. Okay. And we walked in and there is 88 bottles of wine in the automatic dispensing machines. Yeah. And I walked, I was like a kid in a candy store. I, I was mean, just it was say, like, yeah, it's it was like an adult vetting machine, <laughs> I was like, right? Like, uh, you're just like, whoa, look at that. <laughs> and so we, there's this like person in a little box almost, you know, it's like the behind a counter in this, behind this shield. And so we got machine cards and mm-hmm. we just started playing around. And right. I started helping people find wine. Yeah. They were well, like, yeah. do you work here? I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you about the wine. But I can tell you what to try. Right. So we sat down and, and we just started talking and I was like, I could do this. Mm-hmm. But I could, like, we're sitting on these weird box stools. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And 10 days later, I'd filed letters of incorporation for Sips Wine Bar. Yeah. And... April 3rd of 2017. So this was like February, Mm -hmm. mid February Mm -hmm. that we were in St. Pete and it was actually February 12th. 
Um, by April 3rd, I'd given my notice. Mm-hmm. My last day at Hyatt was April 22nd. Mm-hmm. And we opened SIPs October 3rd of 2017. Wow. Like, that's how yeah. fast. It yeah. just, it Rolled. was just like this, okay, this is right. And everything just kept kind of mm-hmm. happening. So mm-hmm. that's what led me to SIPs, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That was five years ago. We're, yeah. we're in our sixth year now. And uh, we just went through a redesign. and. Yep. Upgrading things and and looking at what's what's next for us. Right. Well, since we are friends and I know a lot about you anyway, right. I mean, I think it's really interesting that you have this dynamic of kind of your career before SIPS and then mm-hmm. SIPS has become its own entity of challenges, struggles, yes. rewards. Yeah. I mean, literally everything kind of mm-hmm. encompassed into one one beautiful building with the redesign, but like, <laughs> it's all in one. Thank but. You. When we're kind of talking, so I'm so proud of you because I know that had to have been a very difficult leap to take when you did make the decision to Mm -hmm. open SIPs. And did you feel like you were prepared for what was to come? Did you feel you were prepared to take on the challenge? So hindsight, I absolutely was not. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it just felt right. Right. And, you know, that's that's the beauty of not knowing all the things, you know, now yeah. is that you don't you don't have that gift of hindsight. Mm-hmm. And had I known mm-hmm. what I didn't know, I probably wouldn't have done it. Right. And that would have been a huge mistake because it it would have held me back from. Yeah doing one of the most rewarding, challenging, but also life-changing things for me. And mm. I and a transition, not just professionally, but also mentally, emotionally, personally. Mm. Um, it, it really elevated my whole life. Right, right. Well, I can't imagine a, a life without sips, so I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. But um, You're yeah, welcome. It's, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Um, but there is there is a lot to be said because we are talking specifically kind of about the stress in the workplace. And that's mm-hmm. very big. And actually, we've worked together on an event before. And I yeah. mean, even just yes. that event was like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. I mean, we started. Well, weddings with a, are always like weddings will high do it. stress. Yeah, yeah, they'll do it. And I mean, yeah. we had a situation where we were bringing in all of it, it was a blank mm-hmm. slate and we turned it into a wedding. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. we got it done. and It was a beautiful wedding. But yes. the stress that does come with that. That's that day-to-day stress, right? I mean, that's – but I'm, let me rephrase that. That's the day of stress right. is that. But that's not right. even incorporating the planning and everything else that goes into it. And I think when we were chatting, you said event planning is one of the – always the t- like one of the highest ranked. Yeah. So uh, I used to pay attention to this more when I actually did it for a living. But mm-hmm. it was always this thing that was circulated in our departments when it came out that – event planning or convention planning is one of the top most stressful careers you can have. Right. Just the demand, Mm -hmm. the personal demand. And I have to say, like, wedding planners would probably be even higher than that that, because they're so – I did a lot of weddings at the Higher Regency Clearwater Beach. We were up Mm -hmm. to a little over 100 a year Mm -hmm. when I left. Mm -hmm. And – the weddings bring a whole slew of emotions. I'd much rather do corporate because you're not <laughs> you're not dealing with 
somebody's personal money and yeah. personal life event. So, but yeah, right. the wedding we did was it was oh, it was great. And family members and mothers and fathers Everything and extended comes, families. Yeah, and, and there's always and emotions are always extremely high on oh, wedding day. Yeah. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I've done a couple weddings, and I mm-hmm. always tell people like it's not going to go perfect, and you have to kind of get that out of your head because yeah. something's going to go wrong. Always going to just always, and, yeah. but you have to make the most of it. And at the end of the day, it's really about two people that are getting married. You yeah. know, I mean, but we put yeah. a lot of extra. That could be a whole episode of its own. But right? I mean, but <laughs> I know. what we're like with this. You know, I, I almost want to. I don't know why I'm feeling like I want to ask this, but like, which one was more stressful? Was it opening the bar, or was it your position within the hotels? Well, that's a great question. I think it would probably. I think you could. I could say they both were equally stressful at different times, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I opened Hyatt Clearwater Beach, mm-hmm. and that was insanely stressful during the opening process. And then the probably eight months prior to my departure was so stressful. I was constantly in emotional, mental turmoil, Mm -hmm. constantly. And, but I can tell you that there were times, I mean, COVID, going through COVID with Mm -hmm. SIPs, um, my partner that uh, helped me get SIPs open, suddenly departing at the end of 2019. Right before COVID. Right before COVID. Yeah. In a very sudden. It was abrupt. Yeah. Dramatic, not so nice way. Um, So I I can say probably I I could pinpoint moments in both Mm -hmm. where where they were equally mm-hmm. as stressful. I will say that, you know, I learned early on in my career with Mary O'Connor and company mm-hmm. that, and I think this was why I loved events so much, is that you don't, instead of seeing problems with everything, we, I learned how to see solutions, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's your way of just moving quickly through things mm-hmm. and being like, nope, not a problem. We can fix it this way. I also think that that's a coping and defense mechanism for me, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I see a problem and instead of really sitting with it and allowing it the space and time to absorb it, mm-hmm. I tend to go immediately to – all right, what's the solution? What's the solution? What's the solution? Right, right. And I did that with Hyatt, right? So mm-hmm. my solution was I always had a solution mm-hmm. for those issues because it was easy and I had a very nice paycheck coming in. Mm-hmm. With SIPs, it was very different because the solutions were forcing me to really look inward. right. And it, right. it was not as easy as, okay, hire this body or let's – whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. Training and whatever. Right. It was more how am I going to fix me so that I can successfully run this business? So two very different right. – two different ways of – Yes. Right. And exactly. it's kind of that same – and I think for people who have worked for corporate and then they go into – like the mom and pop, I kind of mentioned that with mm-hmm. myself. Like when I, when I really did want to own a restaurant, I mean, I was working for a corporate restaurant, and we would spend four million dollars just to 
turn the space into our brand, you know? And I mean, that's not even counting everything else that comes with it. So when right. you have a mom and pop and all of a sudden you don't have that budget to work with anymore, right? it's like, oh, it's okay. like, what's your budget? We don't have we one. We don't have one. Right. Yeah, no. Zero <laughs> doll hairs, please. Like, can I open another credit card, please? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just give me one more. Um, so there are a lot of just, you know, it does, it, it kind of speaks to you a little bit and it's a mm-hmm. different form of stress. At least sometimes with the corporate, you can kind of, I mean, it will always follow you. It's always going to come yeah. with you. Um, but you can f- try to find a way to leave it there. But SIPs has become such a part of your life. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you're as a as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, you are always there. You're always doing something. And you've got a staff of how many people? So we're 10 now. 10. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you're always managing them. That's always mm-hmm. part of the the um the difficulties of of business. Yeah ownership. So, you know, so how do you deal with your stress? And let's, let's focus more on the now with SIPs. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you help keep yourself in a good place? Great question, Bradley. (laughs) Uh, You're assuming that I am in a great place. (laughs) A little biased. biased. Um, You know, I, at the beginning of 2020, after my my business partner had left, it, it triggered a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. And I sought out or fatefully sought out a, th- a therapist that I had known and had built a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what, let's, let's meet professionally. We're not going to do this at sips with a glass of wine. Like we're going right. to, we're going to have do this right. And he really helped me to, develop a system for how I how I manage things and emotions and anxiety and all of that stuff as it comes in. Right. So right. Because you said it was about working on yourself so you could be the best version right, for the business. For the business. And so one of the things that and there is a, a specific method that he that he uses with mm-hmm. all of his clients, but um one of the things that we talked about was being aware of being aware, right? Mm-hmm. So being aware yeah. of, okay, I know I'm being triggered right now, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, a lot of it is is that. It's mm-hmm. being aware. Right. Knowing that there's a, there's a trigger for me mm-hmm. or how am I dealing with this? Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, the older I get, right, it's now you're, I'm in my 40s, I'm dealing with a whole fun bag of new challenges, challenges, you know, physically and blah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's fun being a woman. Yeah. Um, and so it's also understanding and being in tune with my body and being in tune right. with, with, okay, I know I'm feeling anxious right now. Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from? And being okay with feeling that way. Right. Allowing myself to feel that way. I also know that I'm a person that I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. which to me is really how I recharge myself. And I know that I can't be around people constantly without taking time in solitude right. for myself. And so I... My family used to call it the incidents, you know, when Andrea's been overstimulated, (laughs) she melts down. I know when I'm getting to that point and I know that I have to take that time for myself to just 
That awareness. That awareness of being still and knowing, okay, I need this. Otherwise, it's not going to be good for anyone. Right. And, you know, I I read a lot of books. I try to exercise. You mm-hmm. know, it's those things. I try to not deal with all of my stress with wine. Right. Which is hard when it surrounds you every day. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's always there. <laughs> it's always yeah. there. So because I should point out because you did bring those wine vending machines into your I did <laughs> yeah so si- yeah, yeah so, so Sips has the yeah the wine machines yeah so they're always tempted I, I get mm-hmm. it but there are and I have to say so again we obviously have known each other for a while like I, I've worked for you a couple of times for mm-hmm. events and pick and I have to say something I always what to I guess kind of where I'm getting at with how you are managing things and how you do become a good version of yourself. You have such a good work culture. And that's something that I really think from hearing your story. And we always kind of take these moments and the stresses too, because stress is inevitable. You're always going to have it, whether it's the workplace, a relationship, I mean, whatever it is, you're always going to have it. And so to take the stress and like you said, taking the what not to do's and taking what you learned when you were with Mary and the things that you appreciated Mm -hmm. about that, but now you're incorporating it into your own environment, your yeah. own, your own surroundings and yeah. stuff. And I mean, it's, it's really, it's awesome to see you do that. And I, one time you invited me on one of those, um, oh, the, uh, the escape rooms, oh, we did yeah. an escape room. And yeah. so I thought this was really cool. You did this for your whole staff. You mm-hmm. took them out for some team building and it was an escape room, but you being Andrea, you being the the entrepreneur, the leader that you are, you kind of took it as an opportunity to kind of see like how people were working together and who mm-hmm. was who was strategizing this and and you were looking at strengths and you were looking at how people just are able to kind they of didn't come know together. That. I know that they didn't know <laughs> they that. Still yeah. didn't know. Oh, they sorry. still don't. So you just yeah. <laughs> sorry, I never I told them you. That. But no, I mean it's but even without I mean just in general it, obviously it was mm-hmm. being there it was a lot of fun. We had a blast yeah. and we got out of the room so we we made it. But I mean there were definitely some times where everybody had to contribute something. Mm-hmm. And that was really, for you to just be again aware of that and knowing that mm-hmm. and seeing that. I think it speaks very highly of how you are as a boss, how you are as a leader. And you're always going to have that as you go forward and all of the challenges that come your way. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm really, what is kind of the next step for you? What are you seeing with your, your direction in the next five years? Uh, TBD. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently in school Mm -hmm. to get my master's degree Mm -hmm. in business administration with a focus on entrepreneurship. So, I'm in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm one of those people where I go very much on, uh, like, the way SIPs came about was all intuition, right? Mm-hmm. Going based on my gut and what felt right. Mm-hmm. And I am waiting for... I know there's something, there's next steps for SIPs, right? Yeah, like, I right, know that. Right. I know that f- to be true. You can feel it when you're there. I mean, even the redesign kind of puts it on this different, Yeah, it just feels like it's it, it's grown up. You know, it's like the, yeah. the, the baby has now become. It is. Yeah, we're getting to that point. And I think I'm getting to that point. You know, we've, we've started talking to certain staff about, or we, I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, who's we? Yeah. <laughs> Me and the people that live in my head. Exactly. Um, 
about what does that look like for me to have the time and space to focus on future sips. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if that's looking at other locations. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. franchise. I don't know Mm -hmm. if, I don't know. Right. I like to think that the that the concept we've created is pretty phenomenal, mm-hmm. and I, I think I think there's a good big future for sips, but I don't yeah. I don't have the details on that right. for you. So TBD, TBD. TBD. All right, well, I like it. So I'm going to go in. Um, I've I've been doing a lot of research about like the workplace stress, how to how to keep your mental health in check while you're in the workplace, um, and I kind of came up with a list of some of the more important components and things to be um, mindful of. So I was going to go over these with you and kind of see how you could have what you could give some insight to. Um, It's funny because the first thing that I came up with was awareness Mm -hmm. um, and being able to identify that healthy work life balance is one of the first things to be aware of Mm -hmm. in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with this, I think it also helps setting healthy boundaries. And I think it also helps you kind of stick up for yourself because when you are aware of what's going on, I mean, there are, there are so many times I think, you know, we, we give our job a lot of, especially people with, with strong work, work ethics. We Mm -hmm. give a lot of, um, I guess, power to our job to kind of control us. And I think obviously it's a position, you have a responsibility, you Mm -hmm. have the things you need to do when you go for whatever your job is, but also knowing that you're still, Andrea, I'm still Bradley and yeah. being able to set those, 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 those boundaries, essentially, you have to be careful with them. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting. I spent so much of my adult life. I mean, 1998 is a long time ago. Uh, it wasn't that long. It was 24 <laughs> years. So, um, I spent a lot of my life in events, and to me, it wasn't a job. Mm-hmm. So, I and I think that's there's there's a difference between a job and a career, right? Mm-hmm. So, to me, it was always a career because it was something I was so passionate about and so good at mm-hmm. that it did define me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like yes. I don't know that that's a bad thing. And I know, you know, until I moved here, I was a single female. A lot of the women that were in my role were also single females. Mm-hmm. And so it was that, okay, what is the balance, right? And is do you choose career or partnership, right? Right. And it's hard because events, like a lot of jobs, is – consuming. Right. Right. And especially if you're not in a hotel. So the hotel provided its own boundaries because you have a start time and an end time. When you're an event planner on the event side, it's like 24 hours a day. Right. Um, but I I think that's that's really when you said, you know, not letting it define you or that you're still a person outside of that. Mhm. It's hard yeah. to do that when yeah. it's not a job, it's a career, and it's something right. that you love so much mm-hmm. and love doing. And um, so I get that. But you have to have those outlets, right, those things that allow you to be someone else and to separate yourself from 
from that. So it's exactly. not, it doesn't consume every single part of you. Exactly. And that's, it's funny as I'm, as I'm going over these, I'm like, we've kind of touched on a lot of these. We're on that mm-hmm. same, because making sure that you can identify the triggers and the potentially harmful individuals to your mental health. I think we've all mm-hmm. been there. Yeah. Um, and that one's always tricky. You're always going to have that boss. I mean, I think of the movie, Bat Horrible Bosses or whatever. Like yeah. that, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of situation. There's always going to be that one employee, coworker, mm-hmm. peer who's just, you know, yeah. you just kind of, right? yeah, yeah. you have to kind of work around that and balance that. And you probably also too, I mean, within like managing a staff too, I mean, you probably know there's some personalities that just don't work well with other ones, mm-hmm. but you have to always maintain oh, exactly yeah. those healthy set. Yeah. When I was at Hyatt, I had, it was like two different clicks mm-hmm. and it was, ugh. <laughs> Oh, it was brutal. Oh, yeah. It was brutal. I mean, it's, you know, she got to do this I, or you said this to her. Why am I right. treated this? And I'm like, oh, my God. It yeah. was when you're de- especially when you have a department with a lot of females, mm-hmm. it can become uh, the workplace can become very catty and it, it mm-hmm. can become a very challenging situation. And you hit the nail on the head, like Mm -hmm. having boundaries Mm -hmm. and being able to create those boundaries so that you protect yourself is so important. When to remove yourself. That's always kind of mine. I mean, I, I, I've always kind of put into situations where, um, you can just kind of tell when you've done it long enough or you've worked with somebody long Mm -hmm. enough, like, okay, they're going to go off on this tangent. I'm going to just kind of scoot this way, or I'm going to try to remove work because a lot of times actually confronting it doesn't really get you anywhere, especially if they're very, and this is for anybody, you know, I mean, if they are difficult individuals to work with already, they're probably not going to be the kind that can communicate, um, when there are issues. So sometimes just knowing that, and I do find getting myself away from it is probably the best thing for me, but that's again, going back to the first step, which Mm was awareness. So these all really do create a circle. And so um, I think it's also important, I want to throw this out there for anybody who does work from home, um, you know, using a dedicated workspace is very, very important, Um, especially if you can find a room or an area where you can close a door. Um, There was a study that showed, I mean, you have to be so careful because you can bring all of those stressors that are already in your home and you can start to associate your job and the things that maybe you don't like about your job. Um, and it makes it really hard to decompress after a long day. Um, I don't work from home. I did study from home when I was in school as an online student. And I even found sometimes that I had to break it up. Like I would look at my kitchen table and be like, I hate you because that's where I had spent eight hours in a book and writing a paper and just, you know, so, I mean, I can only imagine what it's like for people who do that. Um, and just making sure it is important to identify allocated spaces and yep. your space is important. I mean, your physical surroundings is I always that, going to, yes, influence. that's a great idea. I know you don't, <laughs> I know you don't. but it, I mean, I think about sips. I'm like, like I, if, I would almost kind of like try to do anything that I maybe didn't like to do behind, like in the office. Yeah. So at least like the out, the, the, the main area can be. Well, yeah, I think working from home too is, is people get so isolated, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's like getting out and working at Starbucks or, or your local coffee shop, wherever, not to plug any specific, but getting out so that you're not constantly, by yourself and I you know my sister runs my my father's business mm-hmm. 
from home. Mm -hmm. And, and when she first started, she was it, those feelings of isolation and mm -hmm. depression, because you don't, you're not exposed to people. You're right. not, there's not that collaboration and camaraderie with having people around you all the time. And so it can, can have negative impacts right. too. Right. You know, it's, it's important to stimulate and socialize and be mindful Sorry. of them. Yeah. No, it's, I'm, this is exactly what we're saying. And this is, you know, for anybody who is listening, that's maybe having that struggle with mm -hmm. the work life balance and trying to figure out maybe there are certain things and it's always, even, you know, as a future counselor, there is always going to be things that you say to people that they're going to look at you and be like, okay, really? Like journaling is one of the best right. things that you can do in mental health. And it's one of the things people just don't really take as seriously. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you have a client, they'll come back like, oh, so did you journal? Uh, yeah, I kind of got to it. Um, there's always going to be something, but people, when you do kind of commit yourself to these steps and you kind of look at, you know, this might seem minuscule, but it could have a big impact. Mm -hmm. Even the could is worth it. If it does have the potential to help you with some of these issues, just try it, you know, just try yeah. to give it a little, a little, if it's removing yourself from a coworker or finding a dedicated workspace, or even like, I want to call it like a crying room. Like, it's really funny. I just went on a trip and we were joking that we had to have like a room for our feelings, like just like an extra room. Yeah. Like, if you need to do that in the workplace, that's totally fine. And that's actually one of the, um, the steps that I was saying was um, taking advantage of work breaks and use them to check in with yourself mentally, take the time to practice mindfulness and self-management. You know, if you do have those times or those moments that you can get away, don't cut your lunch short. You know, try to, even if it takes 10 minutes to just kind of sit there and, and listen to something. We, you and I both use that one app, that the Aspirations app that oh, will send you I like am. the little, yeah. yeah, it'll send you the little mm -hmm. like pick me ups, like you're doing great, hang in mm -hmm. there, you know, and just anything like that. Or even if it's listening to some sort of music or something that just kind of, you know, helps relax you. Or taking a walk. You exactly. Know, we, used right. to, we used to do, get outside. Right. I, like that's. Getting some sunshine. We used to do that in the hotels all the time. Just oh, really? Instead of sitting in the cafeteria that had no windows, yeah. you know, getting getting outside, walking around the building. I mean, we were on the beach in Clearwater. Right. So yeah. That, yeah, that didn't that suck. That didn't suck. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I get it. And yeah. you bring it, And you brought up another one, too, that was, you know, when you do take those times to decompress, we all have those days. You know this, where I call you. I'm like, sips, now, wine. Yeah. But there are also those times where just, you know, look for healthy options for decompression, um, something that benefits the mind, the body, and usually those correlate, you know, whether it's spending time with family, exercising, the journaling that I mentioned. Meditating. Yoga, meditate, reading. I mean, yeah. anything that you can do. Um, just to kind of not go to those sort of negative ways of decompression. And yeah. like I said, there's always a time and a place for whatever you need to do. But, you know, just making sure that you are trying to do something that's not necessarily going to start associating like, oh, I had such a, a crap day and I have to have a glass of wine. And right. I've done that. We're not going to wine shame people, Bradley. We're but, not going to wine shame. We don't do but, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to talk. But No, but, yeah. but I agree. Like, I, I've really... I notice a huge difference in my mental state when I've, for me, I don't journal. I, because mm -hmm. I, I, I just can't be consistent with it, but mm -hmm. I get out and I run. Right. And that to me is like journaling. I don't listen to head. music. Mm -hmm. I just allow that, that the, everything to just roll around in my head and I work through kind of what's going on. Right. In that, 
in while doing that and like kickboxing or yeah. doing something really yeah. physical that gets yeah. your aggression out. Your heart pumping. Um, and yeah. 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 I get that. And that's, a, I mean, that's a great. Spending time with your pets. Yeah. Yep. They right? do a lot. Yeah. They, they will just automatically kind of take that stress right out of mm-hmm. you. Um, I also want to point out too, like when you are looking for positions, um, look for companies that do value mental health. There are a lot of opportunities out there, especially with corporations. Like, I mean, you can look into that before you would potentially apply somewhere, or if you're thinking about switching positions. Um, you know, there are lots of opportunities for mental health days, seminars, workshops, and a lot of these are provided by the company. It's funded by them yeah. too, so you don't have to worry about some of those additional costs um, if. That is something. It just, it always, there are always some options, I guess, and to look yeah. into those. I will say, I think one of the one of the th- positive things that came out of the whole COVID thing was was this huge focus on mental health mm-hmm. that I don't think really existed before. Yeah, and it provided this, you know, all the new online mental health mm-hmm. platforms mm-hmm. that are available where you can see a therapist yeah. virtually where, you know, the, those things weren't really readily available before. Well, now that we're a couple, you know, we're kind of out of some of that, you know, the data is starting to come in and it's really interesting to analyze and cipher through this because there you're, it's, it's huge. And yeah. what it, and I even mentioned my beginning of this episode was just, you felt like everything was pulled out from under you. And I mean, nobody mm-hmm. really had control of their situation and nobody knew what was going to happen. So all of a sudden people who never thought they might need mental health services were getting on the phone. They were looking up counselors online yeah. and it has, and it's really, it's kind of helped. I think it really, you know, if there is a silver lining, it really helped right. kind of it was a huge battle against the stigma is what I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, the war is still going on with the mental health stigma, yeah, but yeah, the battle yeah. was won in that sense. And, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible to see where things are going. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Yeah. But we, um, just one of the last things I did want to say kind of with these steps and with trying to keep that work balance in a healthy spot is, you know, try to always appreciate the things that you do like about your job. Even if it is something that absolutely drives you nuts. Um, I I remember when I was, when I was trying to decide what I was going to do, my counselor and I, we did this, um, exercise where we, uh, she, she told me to pay attention to the clock. And so like when I went to work and this was as a bartender, she said, you know, pay attention to those moments where five minutes feels like five hours. Like, I mean, you're just dreading it. It's awful. It's horrible. Um, and then pay attention to the times where five minutes feels like five seconds because you don't even know that you're at work and mm-hmm. you're just kind of doing your thing. And I actually found like, I hated prepping. Like I hate prepping. I hate setting up the bar. (laughs) I hate cutting the fruit and juicing because it's just so it's like a checklist and it's just kind of like, and then, um, you know, and then plus you don't really know where your night's going to go. You know, it's just, you're kind of dreading the, Oh, I'm going to be here until at least midnight, whatever it is. Um, but the times that I loved was when I was talking to my guests, when they were coming in, Oh, Hey, like, haven't seen you guys in a while. Like how was your, your granddaughter's birthday? And you guys just got back from Italy. This is why you're a local celebrity. Well, you know, that's, (laughs) you know, we'll leave that one, but no, but it is. And, and ironically when we kind of, Mm dived into that a little bit more. It was like, so what kind of job could you have where you're remembering people's situations mm-hmm. and you're you're genuinely happy to see them and you're you're trying to make their day better. And, yeah. and that was one of the things too that helped me kind of lead on to that. So my point is, is you know, even if your job is just something that really gets you down, there's gotta be something good about it. Like there's gotta be that one coworker that maybe you look forward to talking to or 
maybe there's a good lunch spot that's close by. I mean, you got to dig maybe yeah. for it, but, you know, just try to find some sort of it's good. It's like that gratitude, the attitude of gratitude, exactly. right? That, yeah. I also think that, you know, a lot of people feel stuck and... Mm-hmm. I would say it's you're never too old to make a change. Right. You're never That's too old. It, you're never too late. It's never too late. I think it can be very scary. I mean, for me, I left a nearly 20-year career. Mm-hmm. The only thing I really knew how to do to start something completely from scratch. And I, I think it's don't be afraid to take risks. Mm-hmm. And if you really feel stuck you have no idea how incredible things can be if you just trust your gut and take those risks and don't worry about how long your career has been. Don't worry about any of that. Just follow your heart and follow your gut. I I would encourage that. And live in the now. And live and in the now, yeah. Because you can't you can't change the past. We work on that so much in counseling. I mean, it happened. It's shaped you. It's been part of your story. But you really can't change anything that has happened. So... A, a, a span of, and I totally understand that. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've even questioned, you know, I've always, like I said, I've worked in hospitality since I was 15. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to think about, wait, what would my life look like if I didn't have the same job every day? If I didn't have the same role in something that you're good at and you're comfortable with and yeah. you just know, I think I even told you the other day, I was like, if I wasn't a bartender, like what would my social life look like? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, yeah. I mean, I've had people over to my apartment. I'm like, Oh, a regular got me that. Oh yeah. And then somebody was like, did, did your regulars like furnish your apartment? And I'm like, well, kind of mean yeah. for them too, but yeah. it's kind of happened. But yeah. like, there are so many elements. But it is, it's um, but knowing that you have to evolve too. And if you're feeling that, mm-hmm. and it's like you said when you went back to your change and and going in and mm-hmm. taking the leap, your gut, your gut told you what you needed to do, and look at what it's done, yeah. and and where it's going to go. So. Yeah. I really, really appreciate you being here. Is there anything well, else you want to add or any any final thoughts? Um, <laughs> pressure. <laughs> I would, you know, I, I come from, um, I have four sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, my life has not been without my fair share of trauma mm-hmm. and, um, you know, family mental health disorders and all of that, you know, all, all that junk. Right. Right. But I think one of, um, one of the things that I'm like, Hmm, how do I, how do I put this into words? Um, you know, like you said, that's in the past. I think using those that trauma, those experiences, those challenges mm-hmm. in your life to propel you forward, mm-hmm. to um, using using it for good mm-hmm. instead of allowing it to tear you down. Exactly. You know, um, I I would say mental health is not a destination. It's a journey. Exactly. It's a process. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. We constantly have to work at it. Mm -hmm. It's not something that, okay, now I'm done. Right. And it's hard. Yeah. It's really, really, really hard Mm -hmm. to face, for lack of a better word, your demons. Yeah. But when you do, I think you find this incredible part of yourself that, um, may not have you may not you have not allowed known, yeah yeah you didn't, yeah, know that you didn't side. Yeah. yeah and a strength too that comes from that just in mm-hmm. general and 
the confidence that will ensue and the things that you can do and the way that you look at challenges in a different way too, because they're always going to be there and taking that and rolling with Mm -hmm. it. So I love that. Love everything about that. Well, well, thanks. Well, thank you. Thanks for um, having me. Absolutely. This was fun. I, I, we could probably fun. sit here and talk oh, all day. Oh, we could just keep yeah. going. I know. I know. Yeah. And yeah. We could just keep this rolling. Thank you very much to Collab Studios for their help, resources, and staff. And as always, I want to thank each and every listener for tuning in today. My name is Bradley Wink, and this has been an episode of On What Brings You In Today. As always, if you or anyone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call or text 988, or you can go to 988lifeline.org. Someone will be there to help you. Thank you again, and have a wonderful rest of your day.